All right, we back with another podcast. On the podcast today with me today is Damian Mackey. Peace, brother. How you doing? Good. I'm good. I'm blessed to be on. I appreciate y'all for having me. Oh, man, I appreciate you, brother, for taking the time out to uh, be a part of this. Man, it's love. Whatever y'all, you know what I'm saying? I, I guess that for me, it's just like, uh, it's time out on um, just accepting ignorance or accepting the status quo or just, you know what I'm saying, willfully saying, ah, I'm going to stay where I'm at and not going to really fight to to understand and uh, stop fighting for a seat at a table and, like, let's start building our own house. You know what I'm saying? Let's create our own kitchen with the table and the table look like how we want the table to look. And so, uh, you know, hopefully I can bring some value tonight, you know what I'm saying, and talk about my experiences and education in life. Oh, you will. Oh, you will. Yes, sir. <laughs> so let's let's do the, the whole background. Where are you from originally? Yeah, I'm a California resident, uh, Bay Area representative. You know what I'm saying? My father grew up in the Bayview in San Francisco. Look it up. My mom grew up in the Fillmore in the city. Uh, uncle was a Panther. Um, and, and so I kind of grew up in a, in a way where, you know, unapolog unapologetically handles minds, you know what I'm saying? Um, but whatever. That's not, that's not you know, so important. It's a part of my identity. But I think more importantly in life, my experiences are those that uh, I just understood uh, at an early age, like, yo, education is a big deal. And I was a knucklehead, you know what I'm saying? K through seventh grade, I didn't really care about school. It was what it was and it wasn't what it wasn't. I chased chicks and was a class clown the whole nine. But I had a, I love my mom, my mama's boy to this day. And so my mom went to a parent teacher conference and changed my life. I had a real teacher who had my back and it was Miss Bilkey. And she flat out told my mom, I'm like, your son could be special. He's smart. He just don't take school serious. And so my mom propositioned me. She said, look, here it is. Uh, you still old enough for me to whoop your ass. She said, so look, you bring home another C, we get into it. If you bring home straight A's, I'm going to pay you $10 an A. Mind you, the only class I would get A's in is, is, is PE. I, I was a PE. You feel me? I, I go right. get it. Uh, so uh, long story short, from that point on, I became a 4.0 student. I have my own selfish reasons for that initially. Uh Y'all got six flags wherever y'all have, but we got six flags near where I live. The season pass yeah. cost $50. The bus pass cost $25. I started doing the math in my head. Like, ooh, if I get straight A's, that's going to pay for my pass plus my bus pass to get there. And that was the initial reason why I was like, okay, let me see what I can do. You know, let me see if I can get these A's. That became who I was. And to be honest with you, after a while, that was my identity. I used to go to my teachers and be like, yo, I'm going to get an A in your class. And and, and I, it was important to me to see a young black male who, you know what I'm saying? I was going to handle my business, be, be me and my skin. But I wanted to prove to myself and prove to others that I could be, you know, I, that I could go ascend to my to my ceiling, to my capacity. And so, uh, man, that that got me a lot of places. Um, play college, play football in high school, got a scholarship. I'm an Oklahoma Sooner, so I'm a Bay representative to Oklahoma. Uh, won a natty. A lot of my friends played in the league. I experienced some crazy things in my early 20s. Uh, Roy Williams, my best friend, he played for Dallas Cowboys, five Pro Bowls. We grew up together in Union City, California. Mark Clayton played for the uh, Baltimore Ravens wide receiver. That's my little bro. Tommy Harris played for the Chicago Bears. That's my little bro, right? So that's my that's my that's my that's my kind of squad from college. Uh, but I broke an educational accident. Shit, uh, the 08, 09. Uh, 
Wait, what, what what position did you play in, in, fo- in football? Because you didn't say. Wide receiver, number 13. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Got to get a little business. You know what I'm saying? You can go look and see. It's it's, it's, it's a few little things on there if y'all take a peek. But um, I broke into educational on accident. I was doing some investing. I got a degree in business finance. So I went to college. I got hurt. I got my degree. Like, yo, let me get it real. Let me get my paperwork right. Um, got my degree in finance and was in some real estate. I was purchasing real estate in Texas. The market crashed. If you guys remember, 08, 09. Yes, sir. The market crashed. Mm-hmm. I lost everything. And I was like, damn, what am I going to do? Uh, so I got a teaching credential, right? I got a teaching credential, uh, went through a little cohort or whatever, and boom, I got into teaching in, in 2007. So I taught a year in Texas, moved back to Cali. And from 08 to 2017, I taught in just about every difficult district you could. I was a math teacher uh, where not a, a lot of math teachers look like us. Mm. And uh, I experienced a lot. You know, I was able to promote and become an administrator. Um, from there, I promoted to a high school administrator. And from there, I got to experience master scheduling. And I did my master's research on the impact of Algebra 1 on graduation rates because I started to realize that Algebra 1 was a gatekeeper um, uh, to actually graduating high school. Algebra 1 was a gatekeeper to cohorting students through school. And as a as an administrator over that math department, Algebra 1 was the most difficult position to hire. Mm. And so those those three factors created an environment that obviously we'll discuss in a little more detail uh, that it, it 100% it'll impact your ability to have a successful high school experience. And so. All right. Let me let me interrupt you right there. Yeah. From your time in elementary school through high school, how many black men as teachers can you say you had? Through high school? From kindergarten through high school. Zero. Black men? Zero. Yes. You didn't have any black men? Zero. Wow. Oh, wow. Not even PE? Zero. Oh, wow. My coach, football coach, I had, a, I had a few, but like during the school day, black men, zero. Okay. Continue, continue on. Yeah. Um, so I spent 11 years in education total. Uh I guess 12, four and a half years as a teacher. I taught primary one year, three years in middle school, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade math. Um, and then I did a half year of uh, algebra and algebra two at the high school. And then I got promoted to an admin. So I got promoted to a principal. I did six and a half years as an admin, two years in elementary, five years um, high school, and uh, saw a lot experienced a lot and 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 again I, I feel like parents need to understand how that's how this system works and make decisions about what they're going to do with their children as they matriculate through school so you kind of got to look behind the veil to see how that how the machine actually works in terms of uh i guess the placement children's uh and and young teens placement in the hierarchy before graduation 100 and and it was on accident I didn't even realize it as a teacher. When I was a teacher, I would go in my room, close my door, and deal with my 150 kids. Those were my kids. We we're going to bang this thing out. When I became an admin, my first role as an admin was discipline, right? So my I, I handled a lot of discipline and, and addressed those issues. As I gained more experience, I got to do oversight of a master schedule. And that is when I really started to be exposed to 
how school systems work. And by the way, it ain't, it ain't to blame nobody. It is what it is. But parents right. need to know what it is, right? Community needs to know what it is so they can make wise decisions. All right. So you, you're saying a lot of you, you're giving us a lot of information is and it, it's kind of got my wheels spinning in my head because I'm thinking about like the time where the, the family across the board started uh, having both parents in the workforce. And then you have the the parts of the community where there's a single parent and that parent has to take on two jobs. You know, so not in most cases, but in a lot of cases, that was, you know, a thing. So a lot of the times the, the school system becomes more of a babysitter or just a, yeah. a sitter in general for kids. And the kids' uh, interaction with the teachers may or may not be a parental type of uh, exchange. It might be one of those things where the teacher is overworked and just dealing with all of these different kids and the grades kind of determine who gets the most attention when needed or the best the best amount of attention when needed because I would imagine being a male in a in a in an industry uh where majority of your uh colleagues don't look like you it's got to be a challenge as a teacher you know what I'm saying you're a black male teacher in a school system because you said you you taught in Texas am I right Cali in Texas taught in Cali okay. for uh Cali for nine, what well, taught or admin for nine, and then two out of my eleven were in Texas. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm what I'm imagining is like a scenario where um a lot of your colleagues uh are probably the norm in terms of like what kids relate to. And then you show up and you're, you know, you're seeing things and you're being who you are and trying to give the kids what you imagine to be the best value in education. And it's probably coming off as like like you're like you're an alien in the room. <laughs> you know what we used to call them? You know what we used to call them unicorns. Mm. People say, yeah. you? <laughs> no, I'm yeah. actually yeah. serious. They were like, you're a unicorn. Yeah. You're a black male who teaches math. Yeah. You're a unicorn. Yeah. So to get so a lot in a lot of cases, uh it's probably uh it probably was a foreign concept for a lot of people to actually receive. Parents probably not not taking you seriously or not or their kids not taking the education as seriously until you kind of like implement what you consider to be the form of uh, structure and discipline that they're not used to because majority of their education, they've been taught by a specific demographic. So you kind of like shook things up and changed the, the paradigm a little bit. Uh, yeah, I would say yes. But I would also say, you know, math is a unique uh, content area just because, listen, across America, that is the most difficult position to fill and it is the most difficult position for kids to pass. And, and to be a honey with you, what I mean, and just, just keeping it a buck, whether I was a white woman or a black male, at the end of the day, admin, parents, community, school board, you know what I'm saying, district, they wanted the kids to perform because a lot of money is aligned and resources are aligned to standardized testing, right? Um, so I, I, I think a part of my success had to do with my ability to establish relationships uh, I, I didn't have classroom management issues. You know what I'm saying? I didn't. So that wasn't something I had to spend a ton of time on. And I, I had a personal love for math. And so it was important to me to establish that kind of expectation in my classes. Uh, being a black man was a plus being in a lot of urban school districts that were predominantly black and Latino. That That's predominantly where I've taught my entire career. Um, but listen, like you kind of like what you were alluding to. Had I not had the ability to connect and, and deliver, they didn't give a damn that I was a black man, right? They wanted somebody who could deliver. It just, it was a, it was a plus for me because I was young. 
you know what I'm saying? I was hip to what was, you know what I mean? You know, you know, I was more connected to what was going on in the community. I knew some of their cousins, brothers, uncles and stuff. I could, I could be like, Hey man, I'll call, I'll call your cousin, like play with me. You know what I'm saying? You know, there was a relationship that we were able to connect and have that other teachers wouldn't necessarily be able to authentically pull off. Right. Yeah. That's pretty much where I was going with it. Yeah. 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 Relatability. Yeah. So as you traverse through this and you start to get a, a peek behind the curtain, when did you start saying that something, when did you start figuring out that something was wrong for you? Uh, so my first year in Cali, I taught in South Hayward. South Hayward is, this, I don't know if you guys have seen the video, but South Hayward is a city that is, uh, it has a, a huge Latino community and they bang hard, they bang. And there's a, a, a low income African-American community. And so I got into that school. My first year I was what's called a pro, a probationary teacher, which means if you don't perform, they can fire you, no questions asked. Like you you, 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 you sink or swim. I came in and I took it serious and I did well. My kids tested well, classroom management was good. My second year, um, I was teaching a rem- I was teaching they were a remediation class. They're called intervention courses. So you teach the kids who failed. They have a what's called a support class for no credit, and then they take the grade level class to try to pass. And they double blocked it. So you two hours with one teacher. Half the time is practice. The second half is you teach content. You teach you teach us um, grade level. Halfway through the year, every, I, I was teaching seventh graders and eighth graders. The school was seventh and eighth grade. I was teaching like both sections of kids who were being removed from other classes. And so the principal would come to me and be like, yo, Mackie, uh, I got this kid, you know, can you can you take them? And I was just like, yeah, it's good. And our community was, our community was dope. I'm not even going to stunt. Like, I'm going to keep it 100 with y'all. Like, in my class, they knew what it was. We're going to handle business. We're going to have fun. Look, we would be in class sometimes, and I would tell the kids, go research the funniest your mama joke you got. At the end of the day, we're going to take five minutes, and we're going to, within a respectable reason, we're going to tell jokes. The kids look forward to that. You know what I'm saying? We, we would have, we would, I, you know, I have my little iPad. I'm like, hey, man, we're going to play some music. What, what music y'all like? I would put them up on the music I like. They would put me up on the music they like. And they have voice. So I, my class became an incubator for, like, discipline. It was kind of like in-school suspension, but without it being that environment. And so I, at that point, I started asking questions like, yo, how, you know, they not on my roster. How are they getting credit? And so instead of having the kids in a double block class, that class where they weren't getting credit, they were coming to my class to alleviate some of the teachers who couldn't handle them, right? And then and then to keep reasoning to keep the kids on campus. And we'll talk about that because C-Cal, if you remove kids from campus, the school don't get paid for that kid. So schools have to keep kids on campus in order to keep their, it's called FTE, it's the full-time employment. Right. So if you got 500 kids, then you can have 40 teachers. But if your enrollment drops to 450, guess what happens to your 40 teachers? You only get 36 teachers. So now four teachers got to be replaced, let go, whatever. So that is a really important aspect to the school. They want to keep the kids on campus. And by the way, it wasn't a problem for me, but that was my first time being kind of like, yo, what's going on here? Right. Mm-hmm. My next year, I got promoted to assistant principal. So, boom, I'm an assistant. I'm, I'm 29. I ain't even 30 yet. I'm an assistant principal of a junior high. Uh, and I start 
seeing how many other teachers were consistently sending kids out of class. Right. And so this is right at the beginning of uh, an initiative by uh, George W. Bush called No Child Left Behind. And and they had new math and, and English initiatives. Right. So now I'm seeing kids who now they can take algebra in middle school. Some of these kids are never in class. The teacher is removing the kid uh, every day. And and as the assistant principal discipline, right, it's my responsibility to intervene. Okay, what's the intervention we're going to create for this child? What are we going to do? Parents, community. Sometimes it was it was police intervention, kids with knives and things like that. So we're like, okay, how do we create, uh, uh, um, not restorative, but how do we create non-punitive interventions for these kids that's not going to follow them through our life? And so at that point is when I started asking questions uh, around like, hey, what do we do with a kid who, you know, not to create excuses, but yo, we had kids whose parents got deported. Like their mom and dad mm. literally were sent back to Mexico and they would have aunt or whatever, right? And and they don't really have a lot of structure at home. They got to, like some of them are truant because they're working for the family because they got to pay bills and they're they're being they're being punished at school too. So so part of me is trying to understand like how do we how do we address this right? And uh, again, I started asking questions and digging into research. And and here's what I I I I did. They said to me, they said, hey man, you can't keep your job unless you get a master's credential. You have to get an admin credential. So it forced me to go back to school. And that was when it really woke my game up because now I had to go actually do the qualitative research, right? I had to go do the research on, on what was happening, stay in, stay out. And then I had to do the action research, which was survey district, survey school, survey teachers, survey community. And I was able to compile a, a bunch of data. And uh, it uncovered a lot of things that... I, Clearly, people don't like to discuss, mm -hmm. uh, but I just feel like community, parents, family, they need to hear these things because they, they know. impact they their children. <clears throat> they should know. I want to yeah. I I ask you a question. From your time in the school system, I've noticed that there are kids who do have to go, go to work. They have to have jobs to support their, their families in high schools because the parents are either strung out on drugs or whatever the situation may be. Are there programs or do you know of programs that can help those type of kids out who, who are like working from for like grave graveyard shift jobs or anything like that to kind of like help help subsidize or, or, or help relinquish some of that duty off of them so they can at least get an education later on uh, throughout the day in the, uh, the school year or the, uh, later on throughout the day, the course of the school day? Uh, there are, it's not as big an issue in high school because labor laws generally 14, 15, you can get a job 16, you can work 20 hours, um, middle school that you can't like, no, you not are not school. supposed to. Right. Yeah. Right. And so high school, um, uh, there are, there are options, right? Students can choose to do uh work home study where they go to school once a week, they get a packet of, of, of information. They have one teacher of record who is their math, English, you know, social science, whatever. And they're able, the school can sign off, their parents can sign off, and they can literally do school from home, right? It's it's a different gig. They get the credits. Uh, I've never had one of those go to college. Generally, that tracks to a junior college. So you're going to track towards going to a community school before you go on to a university, if that's the route you choose to go. Uh, but no. 
we've had kids who dealt with that, girls who get pregnant. That's another, right? They miss eight, you know, six months of school. They use that for, for pregnant, teen pregnancy. Um, and then they, they do have, or we did, we have programs that allow kids to do work study where they literally, part of their credits was working um, apprenticeship at an auto body shop and they could get paid. Uh, we had one where they were doing uh, architecture and they were building, they were helping people build homes. Like it was dope, like really, really outside the box uh, initiatives that that provided students an outlet who needed to make income, participate in the family uh, while uh, completing their school requirements. Okay. Okay. And I was listening to you when you say track, right? You're saying tracking. So it all depends on what you're saying. To me, what I'm hearing is it all depends on their ability to learn and the information that they're taking in. It it kind of pushes them into a certain lane and the school just takes it from there. Is that what you're trying to say? So, yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, your performance is going to track where you graduate. And, and you know, if you are, you know, a C kid, you're going to end up in general pop courses, whatever, right? You're going to have a general experience with school what i specifically want to make sure people understand is algebra one in high school that tracking is not the same tracking that we're talking about in that and in, in, in the scenario you just spoke of that tracking is a cohort that you uh don't even understand and know that you are in and and i want to explain that let me just i want to i want to create a scenario so you guys understand how this impacts a ninth grader tremendously. First things first, most states now, Algebra One is remedial in high school. And that's very important, right? It's important because when you're a seventh or an eighth grader, and by the way, it's not remedial in seventh or eighth, right? They want kids to learn at the level they're at. The goal is to get them through Algebra in eighth grade. And, and, and I know why, it's not a bad reason, but the unintended consequences are terrible. So let's assume you're in a state where Algebra 1 is an eighth grade standard or, or requirement. And uh, you might pass with a C minus. And then when you're doing course recs for your freshman year, your second semester of eighth grade, they'll ask you like, hey, do you want to take it again? And a lot of parents are like, yeah, they didn't, they didn't do well enough and they only got to do four years of math. Let's go ahead and take it in ninth grade. When you enroll in that class, a couple of things happen. I'm going to use a scenario. Let's say there's 100 kids. There's 100 kids. And of those 100 kids, 20 of those kids are going to do band. Of those 100 kids, 20 of them are accelerated, right? So they're taking algebra in eighth grade. They're going to be in geometry, right? Then let's say 10 of them are athletes. So 10 of those students are athletes. And, and, and I'll show you why that's important. Uh, and then that leaves 40 or 50 kids left. Well, when those kids go to the following school year, the eighth graders that are now ninth graders that were uh, a part of your cohort as an eighth grader that are in geometry, they go a different direction. They are out of the equation. You don't have class with them, which means you're less likely to have English with them. You're less likely to have history with them. Well, you don't do social science with them. You're less likely to have it. Maybe a, a elective, but you're not in the same math class. Band kids. The band kids, the band teacher only teaches band two sections. So if there's four, 
math sections during the school day, those band kids have to both fit their band schedule and get their math requirement. So what do they do? They bundle them. They are a cohort because the scheduler wants to make sure he fits them in both two pots. So if 20 kids go from band and the class only have 28, there's only eight seats left, right? So that crew is cohorted. They're out. You got the athletes. The athletes generally have athletic PE in the afternoon, right? So they are cohorted because they all have to fit into that window. So what happens is your ninth grade kid, who's a regular kid, right, ends up in algebra one at a high school. There's only four sections. One of them is generally taken by the band community. Another one is taken up by the athlete community, right? Another section is geometry because you got the accelerated. There's one section left. So let's just say, I don't know what numbers I have left. Let's just say 20 going to that course. Well, that class is a remedial class in high school. So guess who else fills the rest of that class? All the kids who failed it the year before. Mm. So the environment in that class, right, is one where a ninth grader might be in a room with 10th and 11th and 12th graders who failed that class habitually, are truant to school, have disciplinary action, a, 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 a bunch of outside uh, uh, variables that that ninth grader, their parents have no idea are also going to be in that class with them. The teachers know. The teachers know. So when you're a teacher in the math department, guess what's the last class teachers want? They want that algebra. They want nothing to do with it. So you know what that algebra class turns into? A breeding ground for sink or swim. They hire new teachers. That's the section nobody wants. That's the section new teachers get. New teachers get a section full of kids who have failed or are remediated or are truant or don't like math with mixed with some freshmen. And those teachers burn out. Uh -huh. teachers burn out and uh listen it got so bad i was over the math department we were hiring teachers who could barely speak english i'm gonna pause engineers. real quick let me pause real quick all right pick that back up yeah so you get that population of students and you have to remove the geometry crew they they took a section you have to remove the athletes, they need to have seventh period or sixth period or whatever your period day is for athletic PE. So it limits the ability of sections you can put them in. Right. And then you have to uh, uh, address the students who are left. Right. You've got a group of 40 kids. They got to go in two sections. The class have to have 30. That means both sections are going to have 10 kids that are not ninth graders in those courses because the school only has four sections. Right. And so, listen, that's not a teacher like the teacher isn't the devil if they have those sections. Right. The school isn't the devil if they have those sections. Right. You know, no one is like intentionally doing this. This is an unintended consequence because a portion of the eighth graders took algebra in eighth grade and they are no longer in that cohort. Well, the school has to fill classes with a max of 28 or 29 or 30 or whatever the case may be, which means those math classes are mixed courses, right? So when you couple that with a class, by the way, this is not anecdotal. This is not just my personal experience. This is not my opinion. If anyone chooses to look it up and, and ask the question, what one class has the most impact on who graduates high school? You know what class it is? It is algebra one. And it's been that way for 20 years. 
Mm. Like this is not new. I didn't like I didn't create this because I posted a video on on IG. I thought a lot of people knew it. Algebra one is the gatekeeper to STEM. You cannot take yep. advanced STEM courses if you do not yep. pass algebra one. Algebra one is the gatekeeper to chemistry and physics. You cannot yep. take those courses if you do not take algebra one. Congratulations, you can't go to college, right? Like college is out if you don't take those courses. Algebra one is remediation in most states. So mm. even if you take four years of math, let's just say you go algebra one, geo, algebra two, pre-calc, your counterparts and the kids who were not in remediation all over the country did geometry, algebra two, pre-calc, calc. Who's more attractive to a college? Those kids. It, 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 again, it's not like it's a you did something bad. Parents just need to know this because an alternative is a parent can say, hey, I want my child to take algebra in junior college. It is now lawfully available for high school students to take online algebra, junior college algebra. And, and the reason I was very adamant about that, uh, you know, on IG, that became such a ridiculously uh, polarizing topic is because I know the environment in a lot of those ninth grade classes, when you've got an innocent 14 year old kid walking into their first year of high school and it's a high stakes course where if you don't pass it, you're in, you're in trouble. I want to control what I can control and putting my child in the best position to be in an environment that's in, uh, uh, inviting to learning, right? I want my child to have the, the eighth grade teacher who they're happy to do in algebra. And you've got 13 year olds who are excited about high school versus the ninth grade teacher who is probably brand new or burnt out. Or it, again, there might be a language barrier. There might be a cultural barrier because you can't keep teachers on those sections over time, right? And then you got 16 and 17 year olds who cut up and, and do all those different things, right? And then you're, you're so you pass, but all your friends passed. Do athletes stop being athletes? No. So guess what happens with them for geometry? They're cohorted for that too. The band kids stay in band. They're cohorted for that too. The kids who pass geometry, generally your failure rate is very low because mm -hmm. they're, they're grade level. Those kids are cohorted to algebra two. Boom, your geometry experience is another class where you're in 10th grade and you've got some 11th graders, some 12th graders. So you're, you're, you're cohorted. Right. And so I think people get confused with school tracking. Yeah, school tracks data. They track attendance. They track discipline. They track all that stuff. When I say tracking in this regard, it's about you are now cohorted with a, a group of students and parents don't even know. They have no okay. clue that this prejudice, it's a prejudice. They have no clue that this prejudice is intact for their child and they don't even think to ask questions. You know what's crazy? You literally describe my whole high school experience with the math thing because that's exactly what happened freshman year i took algebra it was mixed first of all a new teacher we had two teachers we had two teachers in one semester because the teacher left before they even finished and it was all the bad kids was in there it was 16 to 17 it was like every, i'm sitting here like Wow, did you see Steinmetz High School in 19? Like, wow, that's crazy. Like, and then the whole trajectory afterward. Luckily, I decided to go art as a direction. So I just went to art school afterwards. So it didn't affect me as far as like, oh, I want to go to university and do all these other things. But 
had I wanted to do something different, that would have affected my trajectory even worse. I had algebra yeah. one too. And it's, I was with, I was with the knuckle, I was with the knuckleheads. And it made it very hard to kind of like get your lessons and everything when they was in there acting wild and and they were talking crazy, disrespecting the teachers and everything. So you kind of like followed the pattern of what they were doing because it was hard to kind of study and do the work that was in front of you because these dudes didn't care about that. I find it to be interesting that you made all of those points because I was similar to my experience in high school and it kind of, it, it informed the way I raised my kids before they graduated high school. I got three kids graduated high school. My youngest just graduated this past spring. Hello. And um, uh, the, the, the way that I raised them was me being a lot more hands-on with the homeschooling, the teaching. So when they did go to school, they had had a leg up because I knew going into high school, it was going to be I, exactly what you described. I came out of high school in 95. So to, to know that, that this system has not diverted from that is kind of scary to me. But me raising my kids and watching them go through it, my, my oldest son, uh, Graduated high school with a football scholarship and an engineering scholarship. You know what I'm saying? My youngest son, he has his uh, ADHD, but he still managed to graduate damn near with honors. My, my daughter, she just graduated with honors, and they all went into high school not having to worry about algebra one because I put it in their head, taught them what they needed to know, kind of encouraged and informed them, hey, this is the way you, you circumvent the, the unnecessary struggles. Yes. Because these are things that you can't control if you don't know it's there. You know, but because a lot of parents don't have that foresight, a lot of them just don't have the information. You know, some of them don't have the time. Again, to the point I was making about working all the time and stuff like that. A lot of parents are so out of the loop when it comes to what their kids' uh, educational challenges are because they got to provide, you know, because they didn't necessarily approach they didn't have the same the right experience in high school either and then that also comes down to the question of what is the right experience in high school because it's almost like it's a it's a factory environment hmm. where they 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 group us together and, and like teachers know exactly who their top students are those are the easier to teach students those are the ones that they know they're going to get the assignments returned those are the ones that are showing up so that that's low impact on the teacher. The, the ones in the middle are probably more challenging than the ones who don't show up at all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So because I used to skip school when I was in high school. I know what that was about. You know what I'm saying? Hell, the nah. teachers used to the teachers used to contact my mom like he's killing it when he's here, but he just don't want to be here. And I know in my mind also that as males, we have a different capacity for for learning and education than than girls. We're, we're not as receptive to certain forms of discipline. Uh, uh, if you if you speak to us in a certain way, we kind of stonewall things like that. And it doesn't that doesn't even account for like the things that are happening at home. You know, students show up to school and that's just their getaway from home stuff. You know, so it's interesting that you say that. Because at school, listen, and I'm by the way, I'm guilty of this. <laughs> so a lot of people, a lot of people came for me on IG. That's good. I'm, I'm keeping a dollar twenty-five with inflation, right? We can't keep it a dollar. <laughs> but um, we knew who the kids who were going to be trouble were, and, and we did a, we did the best we could to keep them away, whatever, whatever. 
But listen, it's a zero mass situation. What I mean by that is like, at a certain point, the school gives up on that community of people. And it's like, okay, how do we just massage through the year, right? And, 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 and you, you know, it's kind of like the greater good, right? Like, hey, we got 97%. I was at a school of 4,000 kids. James Logan High School, 4,000 kids. So imagine you got a school with 4,400 adults on campus between teachers and, and parents, right? We had 10 principals. There were there were uh, eight house principals, assistant and, and, and school principal. Like 3% though, what's 3% of 4,000, right? Like 1% of 4,000 is 40. So 3% is 120, that's 120 kids. Like that's a lot of kids, right? How do you navigate that, you know? And so you gotta make tough decisions. I'm gonna keep it a hundred. Like, I'm not proud of every decision I made as a principal. I can say in full fidelity, I did my very best as a teacher. If you come for me as in, in my teaching, I'll pull a hundred kids who are now adults because I taught, you know, my, most of my students are now 25, 26, 27. They'll bang on you. I guarantee it. If you try to come <laughs> for me as a teacher, I ain't got to say nothing. A hundred kids will come for your neck. As an admin, uh, again, I didn't say this earlier, but I walked away. I walked away in my seventh year. Because I finished my master's in uh, I finished my master's in seventeen, and when I finished my research, it was it was very clear. Like, hey, there's some very easy, not easy, but there are very clear solutions that if we really focus on these three deals, we can have huge impact, right? And number one, th this is what I think is the easiest way to alleviate this problem. The reason it's very difficult to hire math teachers is because most states content area uh, uh, credentialing program is extremely difficult. To teach algebra one, you have to know like calc four. You have to like literally, and it's not just like, oh, solve this problem. You gotta like, you gotta actually show the algorithm behind how you got to it. It's extremely difficult. It is extreme. Don't ask me how I pass. I don't even remember how I pass. Like to keep it 100 <laughs> with y'all, if they asked me to do it today, I couldn't do it. And it's math you'll never, ever use unless you're a mathematician, right? So that 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 pushes, I would say, 80%. I know so many people who could never teach uh, teach math and they would just do social or do or do English or whatever because they couldn't pass the test. It To me, the simple fix is you take math into basic and advanced. And you take the classes that are graduation requirements, which are algebra, geo, and, and there's an algebra two without trig class that you can take if you're not on a college track. Colleges don't accept it as a third year, but graduation does. And that should be a separate test that say, hey, I want to specialize in those classes. You know what I'm saying? I don't need to teach Cal 2, A, B, B, C, whatever. And you will get a larger pool of people. Mm -hmm. I saw in seven years as an admin, except for my year in Texas. By the way, I was in Texas at a school called Cedar Hill High School with 93% African-American. Every administrator except one was black. The police chief was black. If you walked in Walmart, everybody was black. I mean, different kind of situation. You know what I'm saying? It was dope. I liked it. Uh, aside from that school, I saw five black applicants in the math department, men or women, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Caucasian, it, it was very few. When a when 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 a middle aged or a of age twenty five to forty five year old black or Caucasian hit 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 those hit those uh those job wrecks, it was a free for all for who could get them because it was it was so difficult. 
most of your math uh, uh, teachers are, again, I'm just telling you what it is. I'm not trying to be, you know, have no type of racial bias, but it's, it's East Indian, it is Asian, um, and they have, sometimes they come with, with accents and, and, and language barriers, serious cultural barriers, right? Again, you talk about algebra one, which we, you guys all said your experience was mixed class, knuckleheads, and imagine you, and I feel bad for some of these guys because they're good people, but they come in, they got an accent, they dress different, they, they're just different, expectations are different, they have zero classroom management, they get banged on. Boom. Like you said, like you said, boom, they gone. That semester, they gone. They, they, they yeah. ran to another school. Now you got to sub for three months till you get another teacher in, right? Now you got a teacher <laughs> who's on an emergency certification, who's really a science teacher or really a social science teacher. So you're not getting grade level. Like it's it, it's a system. Yep. It is the system. It's not a teacher's fault. It's not even in a lot of areas school faults, but here's what schools do. Schools say, I'm mad at this teacher. Oh, I'm giving you two sections. So now you got a teacher who didn't want it. The school mad and the admin mad at the teacher. Now the teacher mad at the admin. The teacher don't give a, they don't care. Mm. So when you got an attitude and y'all throwing paper, the teacher goes sit at their desk. The teacher says, I ain't about to get emotionally, right. you know what I'm saying? I'm upset with y'all. Go ahead and act the fool. I'm going to go over here and, and check Facebook or whatever they do. Right. And guess what? If that teacher's tenured, by the way, this is another beef. We need to, we need to expose this. Parents need to know this. There are very few states that are not using unionizing teachers. Do you know what happens when teachers get unionized? Y'all know what happens? They get protected, right? They're Listen, protected, right? By the way, this is anecdotal. So I, I, I hadn't pulled the data yet. I will, though. I'm that guy who's going to go pull the data. But let me just tell you what happens when teachers are unionized. They can flirt with your daughter. And, and it can be proven that they flirted with your daughter. And if they didn't cross the line of criminal, guess what? They can't be fired. Oh, they could sit at their desk. They could sit at their desk, and you can reprimand them. You can write them up. You can, you, you know, you can you can do everything within the ed code that says teachers are bylaws that they have to do. They cannot be fired. You can say they are not suitable for my campus. So guess what happens the next year? I'm not going. I'm not going to blow nobody another, up. I'm not going to blow nobody union up. Teacher. <laughs> I'm not going to blow nobody up, but when I was in high school, there were quite a few young girls that were messing with teachers Ooh. and gym teachers. Let's, let's yeah. be specific. Ooh. Ooh, what's going on? What's up? <laughs> and you know, and you know, Chicago's teacher union is, is notorious for everything he just described. Yeah. Yo, he, he, I love this. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to take it a step further. I got, I got to take it a step further. There's one more step I got to explain to you guys. Uh, unless you can produce. So we had a teacher sleep with a student. Uh, 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 they were sleeping with a student during school hours, but we caught them during Christmas break. Admin was on campus doing what we was doing. We saw the teacher pop up and which not, not abnormal. A teacher during Christmas break, they might be doing what they're doing. But then we saw a student pop up. Like, why are you here? Ain't no way in heaven a kid is on campus, you know, and sure enough, they were meeting up to do their thing. He got fired. He got fired. He was literally sexually involved with the student and it came out that he was sexually involved with her uh during school hours she mm. was a senior he was 18 ladies and gentlemen he did not go to jail but he was mm. fired he was i'm not, not fired. surprised uh here's the here's i know the about some i know about some teachers yeah. that got some girls pregnant go ahead yeah. keep going Ooh. yeah See, i didn't experience that so much yeah just, but here's what i experienced i'm a teacher i know my colleague is shitty 
They suck. Like, and, and by the way, they know they suck. Everybody in our department, when we meet, they just chill to the side because they can get reprimanded, but they're not getting fired. Uh-huh. It's kind of like everybody knows I suck. I know I suck. I'm not tripping, right? Admin writes them up. My, again, again, this is anecdotal. This is my experience. I want to make sure I, I clarify that piece. We write them up. We intervene. We watch them in class. We, you know, we doing what we're supposed to do, or they're doing what they're supposed to do. The same teachers in that math department who are like, this teacher sucks. Admin puts them up to go to board. Guess what those teachers do? They support that teacher mm. because the union does not want to set a precedent that teachers who do not perform get reprimanded. So even if I'm a teacher and I complain about my colleague and PD and, and prep hour and still going to protect them when it comes down to it. And you in that union, they're protecting you because they cannot set a precedent that says teachers will get penalized as a part of that union. And and the pressure from the union, from the, the friar reps is what they're called, that are representatives on these campus is very, very high. And, and so that's why I say, like, you know, <laughs> there are a lot of people saying that's not true. It's true. If you don't commit a criminal act, the union is going to protect you. The worst that can happen to you is they move you from school A, they move you to school B, and you become someone else's problem. And 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 we gotta be honest about that. Like we can't sugarcoat it. You know, people are like that's an exaggeration. It's not an exaggeration. The same students, thing happened with police unions. Hundred percent. Exact same thing. Exact, exactly. Yeah. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. You can be negligent. You can be irresponsible. You can break all the laws. But if you don't do something that will put you in jail, the police union is going to protect you. And, and the same yep. thing happens with teachers. That's mm. a dangerous. It's a dangerous game. But I'm, my perspective on it, my, my, just based on my, my personal experience, it's anecdotal. Uh, when I'm viewing it is that it's all it's all set to maintain a certain level of programming. They know that if there's an impossibility of a classroom of 30 students, all of them are going to be uh, at the exact same level. I mean, I guess the odds of them all being at the exact same level is pretty low, right? Uh, so that so that you move you the system is designed to filter out the weaker links and, and prepare them for menial work. Get them out in the world. Just, mm. You're going to you're going to be you're going to have a bunch of cashiers come out of that. You're going to have a bunch of uh, uh, guys who maybe go to trade school or or something like that. A lot of women who go get their uh, their childcare development degrees and stuff like that. So they work at uh, nurseries and stuff. You know, this this, this is like the, the the standard. So you get the 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 one percent of all of those will go on and become entrepreneurs and and actually start forging their path through life where it has nothing to do with the education, but more about their tenacity. And the rest of them, the ones who remain, are the ones who who we see t- turn into doctors and and get jobs in these STEM fields and do these things that are kind of a little bit more, uh, I guess, useful to the to the overall society. That, and I'm thinking, what's really changing all of that though is because now we live in a social media era. Kids are not looking at a long game; they're looking at the the, the quickest path to money, not necessarily long term success, but money. So you got a lot of these kids want to be streamers. Uh, they want they want to be influencers, you know, rappers can and I stuff like that. They're not. Can I speak? Yeah. To can I say something about that? Because I think there's something you hit a point again that I think is extremely prudent that we need to make sure we don't miss. All right. 
I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe something to you. And at the end, I want you guys to tell me what it sounds like. All right. You ready? You start on yep. Monday. You start on Monday and you end at Friday at 12 o'clock. You get lunch. All right. And, and, uh, uh, at the end of it, you get a gold star, you get an E, you get an A, right? You get you get a grade. That's primary. You get a check. That's me. It's like in a check. Yeah. You get to high school. You start on Mondays. You end up Fridays. Lunch is at twelve. At the end of high school, you're focused on a GPA, right? GPA yep. is gonna it's the scale that lets you know where you stand versus everybody else. Boom, you end yep. up in college. You end up in college. In college, you go through the same deal, right? Monday through Friday. Little more flexibility there. You don't necessarily have a lunch hour, but you, you know, you feel you fit lunch in. But at college, you want to do what? You want to get a degree. You know, that tells you from the age of five, we are being programmed to work for money because yeah, your yeah. degree is associated with getting a good job so you can make money. And so and what you're alluding to uh is and, and by the way, this is why this is why I walked away from education. Uh, I walked away from education because like you said, I went behind the veil and I saw a lot of what was happening and I saw the results. I pushed kids to college like I was the number one. You got to go to college. And I, I feel bad now because a lot of those kids went to college, never finished, got student aid. These these uh, uh, financial aid, these kids, imagine they went and got financial aid, didn't finish college. Yeah. Oh, student loans. Yeah. That's a cold. That's a cold business. Right. And so I said, God, dang, I got to stop doing this. So I said, what if I stop, you know, working in a world where we teach people to work for money, let me transition and, and teach people how to make money work for them. So I, the last yep. five years, I've started businesses and I coach individuals and, and, and my whole space now is like, okay, if I could teach kids Pythagorean theorem, if I could teach kids the distance formula, if I could teach, teach kids the quadratic equation, I should be able to start teaching community how to protect, save and grow their money and use it as an asset and a tool versus an end point. And, and so, you know, that is where I have been the last five years. And it's crazy that to hear you say that, because like, I didn't even know how to conceptualize what I was feeling, but I was like, this don't make right. sense. All I'm doing is perpetuating a system that I know is broken. Like, why am I continuing to push college? Why am I, which college is dope if, it, if you're STEM and if you want to create associations, right? If you want relationships with people who are going to potentially be friends and 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 contact business partners yeah 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 yeah. that's dope but like college the first two years is a waste you spending money mm -hmm. to do the same stuff you already did in high school the general yeah. education stuff is, is is a money it's a money scam so neither here or there let me get off my soapbox to hear you say that it it, it, it validates right we're programmed right. the program is designed to teach you to go work for somebody else yeah so they dreams can come true while you break your back um, I did some research a few years ago, just just by passing through some stuff. I was looking, I was went down a wormhole pretty much in my research, yeah. and learned that um, that just the way you described it is exactly was the way it was intended to be because uh, we were moving into the the uh, forty hour work week uh, post World War Two. Yeah. Uh, we had had some scenarios in place where the uh, government saw the capacity for making more money if you get more people involved. You know, women start joining the workforce. Not to say that women weren't working before, but it was more women in mass actually working. So that's more taxable wages. And it was like, well, how do we get more people to participate willingly? And, you know, so you create these scenarios and, and where the women are more incentivized to work than we are. Because we do it, we do it because we have a sense of duty. It's been passed down from generation to generation to generation. The way it's 
conceptualized in a modern era, it's not that old. I say about 60 to 70 years. Uh, so that's young and you know, in comparison. Uh, but the way it's the way it is now is like uh women weren't allowed to uh well I was I'll use this women weren't allowed to uh sign for loans without a husband at one point in time, you know, until they start getting their education and they start becoming more valuable to the workforce, i.e. education. The uh the 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 matriculation rate for women started to explode. You know, you start seeing more women go to school. It, it ain't necessarily have to go out there and get and get degrees and be uh, civil engineers or anything, but just to be able to, 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 I guess, keep the machine lubed up. You know, women are taking out these student loans, going to school and and participating and stuff like that. Whereas men will go out and and become skilled. We'll do, we do more skilled label work. So like it's 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 part. It's, I guess it's part for the course for us. You do have a lot of us who do uh, super exceed some of those expectations, but for the most part, you got a lot of mechanics, you get a lot of plumbers, you get a lot of uh, guys who work for uh, utilities companies. Plumbers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you you start seeing these new industries pop up or new new uses for industries pop up to kind of facilitate all of these new uh, graduates. These people who can still get plugged into these different places to keep this thing going. Not only do they serve a purpose for um, for these companies, but they serve as uh, poster children for education. Now, see that that person did it. You can do it too. You know, this person did it. This person uh, runs a, a a a boutique. This person owns a boutique, or this person owns a barbershop. This person owns a a, a hair care supply store. Things that are possible. But when you think about like what what the value brings in a in a in a larger scale, nobody's nobody cares about that. All they care is the outcome. Nobody cares about the journey, and the school system kind of fostered that idea. Nobody thinks about the journey. That yeah. to your point about algebra being the gatekeeper. If people actually understood how valuable and important that particular subject is, their kids would already be prepared before they ever even cross that threshold. But most people don't consider it because all they think about is. Uh, making money not making money work for them on your way out damien did you try to change some of that or did you just say you know what i've had enough of this i'm, I'm gonna bounce uh yeah i was a radical i was a radical but i left on good terms listen school is just like anything else it's a corporation if you produce yeah. results they they gonna deal with you and they they had to deal with me because I could handle the kids no one could handle I could the math department was the most difficult area of teachers to handle believe it or not and 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 that was always my space right I was all over all over athletics you know and and so uh, I, I challenged so my, my my challenge on my way out was challenging the 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 idea that there were math teachers who could literally accost a, I wouldn't say accost a kid, but they could berate a kid. They could silently fail a kid. They could lie to parents. The, the teacher would lie and say, your child didn't do this assignment. And the child, you know, I, we had a parent-teacher conference and the student, the student was like, here it is. You graded it there. And, and no, you forged it. And, you know, so we, we were able to, in that one instance, kind of like correct it. But the teacher, the teacher's there. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, how? How is how does this continue to happen? This is going to happen again. Um, and so I took it to district. I took it to I, I took it to the the Alameda County Office of Education, and and was stonewalled. You know, mm. and so I was left in a situation where I was like, 
I kind of put my, myself on the line. By the way, admin are what's called at will. You know what at will means? They can fire your ass. With no cost. You, if, if the community rises up against you, you're done. If the parents and community say they don't have faith in the admin, you're out of there. If the teachers say, hey, we feel like there's an unsafe work environment, we feel like it's a toxic work environment, you're out of there. Granted, most admin are also teachers. So when you get fired, you go back into the teacher and then you're protected with the union as a teacher. So I do want to speak to that. But, you know, all these comments, oh, it's teacher against admin. Good administrators understand how to, you know, be good stakeholders with their community, which is teachers and parents and students and so on and so forth. Bad admin, I, I work with shitty admin, but you can get shitty admin out of, out, of, out of Dodge. It's not a difficult task. If the admin don't get the job done, the district might get you, the county might get you, the parents going to get you, the teachers going to get you, they can get you. Teachers, not the same. And so I, I always say like, um, teachers and admin need to work together. Teachers and admin need to include parents in the conversation. Uh, and, and students need to be held accountable to expectations, but given clear instruction on how to do so, right? And so it's a two-way conversation. And if any way in that situation is unclear, I have a problem. So I had a problem with students not knowing how to advocate and parents not knowing how to advocate for their students being stonewalled because the teachers union was so strong, admin was scared to do anything about it because if they did, then the teachers would go after the administrators. I wasn't about to be, you know what I'm saying, walking on eggshells. It, it didn't make sense to me. Um, no one cared. So it was going to be just a small change. It was going to be a blip. Whatever whatever I was able to get done was going to be a blip. And maybe that sounds like an excuse. But at the end of the day, I was starting to learn about money, right? And so I'm like, okay, at the end of this, what, what are we really talking about here? And if I can't put my family in a situation where they're not consistently on a hamster wheel running in mm -hmm. place, right? I can't do nothing to impact my community. And so I wanted to get myself in a position where I could be in a position where nobody could sweat me and, and I could move and then help people uh, in that space. So I made the transition, uh, started my own business and have since opened a couple other businesses. And uh, I now have the ability to, to, to communicate with parents and families offline. My goal is in the next three years to start a school. Like, mm. That's the goal. Congratulations. Congratulations yeah. early on. Don't get a seat at the table. Go build your own house. That yeah. way you can, you can customize your kitchen how you want and your table going to look how you want it to look. Mm, absolutely. That's, kinda, yeah. that's the space we need. That's what we need to do as a community of Black people. We need to start owning the education because... They're not going to teach us. We already see what's happening in the southern states. They literally taking out critical race things out of history, like and voting on it. That's wild. Like literally, like oh yeah, just take that out, and then what's going to happen with their kids generations down the line? They're going to think everything they're doing is okay because they're not understanding what they great grandparents did because they we came over here like immigrants. Like get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> they wild. Can see that that's a whole another soapbox. Yeah, that's yeah. I think that uh, for to to the point you were making, that a lot of what I'm seeing on a community level is the lack of community. Though, you know what I'm saying? We're kind of like we're so stripped away uh, from like the from the the mutual respect, you know, component. Uh, you can't really, you can't hold anybody accountable if they're, if, if they're, if everybody's, I guess, in, in bubble wrap, 
Everybody's mm-hmm. emotionally in bubble wrap. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So the, the 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 community component is so eroded that uh, the education system doesn't have to work. It just has to be there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's why you have in certain communities, our community. You know, saying depending on how much uh depending on how much you 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 earn a year you're going to see a, a larger police presence by design strictly because they know they've already given up on it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's again, it's the, the, you know, the, the school to prison pipeline. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's important though, to note that uh, when you have an educator that, that, that such as yourself, who, who's at, who's seen behind the veil and actually can, can you know, articulate and, and, and spread the, the information disseminate the inf- information in a way where it's receivable, you can really turn this whole thing around, but people just have to be receptive to it. I think that uh, at this stage, we are past like uh, innovation as far as like things that mean something that inspire generations. Like for me growing up, hip hop was the newest big thing. You know, uh, video games was the newest big thing. Uh, cable TV was the newest big thing. You see, we what I'm haven't saying? had so one of those in a while. The like smartphones is just an extension of the cell phone. It's not. It's not that it's a, a innovation. It's just it's just a, a computer in your pocket, and you see how people use that. You know what I'm saying? But it's that one thing that really inspires change. Schools used to teach us, which I always I always felt like it was like smoke and mirrors, where they would say shit like you could be anything you want to be. You know what I'm saying? That level of indoctrination could either inspire or discourage. Nowadays, it's not even that you could be anything you want to be. It's you are whoever you say you are. That's the mentality. So nobody, so if 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 you if you implant, you plant that seed in somebody's head and they're too young to actually conceive what those thoughts and those words actually mean, they're gonna move forward thinking that they that that truly applies to them. So a person never feels like they need to do better. They feel like what they're doing it should be good enough because who are you to judge me? Mm. And I hear I hear and see that all the time. Damien, you know, if you like, could, if you could tell good. the children and the parents right now a message, if you could send them a message to them about the school system, what would it be? Uh first thing I would say is this: on every campus, you wanna you wanna find your village, and and, and on most campuses there is a village, and and listen. That could be the janitor to keep it a dollar with you, or that could be the yard duty or the, or the, you know what I'm saying? The security guard, but you want to find your village because you want your child to have advocacy on campus because you're going to deal with adversity. The end. I've never seen a kid make it through without any adversity. Um, and so um, that, that, that's, that's one key. The second thing is, is unfortunately the squeaky wheel gets fixed. You need to be the parent. Let me give you an example. My son started uh, sixth grade. All right. And then y'all gonna laugh at this, but kid has straight A's and the F. Guess what class mm. he had? His first first year he's ever gotten grade grades. You know, elementary, you get kind of grades, but first real grades. Guess what class he had an F in? Jim. Math. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm living, right? So I'm living like, what, what the hell is going on? By the way, people was people was making fun of my son. Whatever, I ain't tripping. But uh <laughs> come to find out, he's in middle school. They do a lot of work on Google Class. Google Class is a is a is a classroom is a function of Google that they have for schools, and what was happening was my son would finish the work, and then he'd be like, "Dad, I'm done," and "Mom, I'm done." Cool, bet, no problem. We'll look at it, we'll see it, look complete, no problem. By the way, I'm a math teacher. I'm like, okay, good, he, he did all right. Well, there was a function where you have to click submit, 
he wasn't clicking submit. Uh, and so, so four weeks into the school year or four weeks and a month into the year, he got an F. Look, I don't play that. Like, again, to me, you gotta, you gotta do that on purpose. And that's just not who he is. You know what I mean? And so we find out what happened. And, uh, you know, the first thing I did is go to the principal and let her know my background and, Hey, I'm gonna be involved. Dad is really involved. Mom is, is a mama bear. Don't play that. You know what I'm saying? Like he right. has a family mm-hmm. who loves him. Let me just tell you what the result of that was. So obviously we corrected. He's got to be in the class, which I'm still not excited about, but he's been voted uh class representative. He's been asked to be in the school play. You with me? He, you know, on the yard, he has a lot of, of, of advocacy, like the yard dudes and people know him. Why? Because mom and dad took time to go meet the principal and let them know we mm-hmm. didn't play. And guess what? The principal was like, hey, he one of those ones we can't just silently fail. The yeah, teacher, he's insulated now. You did. Yeah. So now he's got a village on campus and we get the call proactively versus nine weeks into the semester. You have parent teacher conference and the teacher is telling you all these terrible things. We get the call proactively. Hey, DJ didn't this, or hey, DJ forgot. Hey, DJ's got this project coming up, and now we're able to navigate school. So, right, check that box. So again, find your village. Um, it's it's essential. Parents need to be involved. And, and here's a sneak, like, or here's a here's a hack. Do it right at the beginning. When you're a parent, you got a middle schooler or a high schooler. Oh, I hear it. Do it at the beginning, first week of school, and I'm not talking about the back to school night. That don't count. Pull up on campus on a regular day and just say, "I want to meet the principal." Can can I can I sit down? By the way, they will let you, unless the principal's super busy. Go meet the principal, shake their hand, let them know your name, and just say, "Hey, if anything happens with my child, can you do me the favor and let me know before it becomes a big issue?" Put that on them because then they can't just pass the buck to you right it's it, it it's a big deal very simply email all the teachers this is a hack you can do it in three minutes email all the teachers blind copy all of them so they don't know who else is getting the message and simply say hi my name is mr Mackey. dj is my son if this dude if he cuts up please let me know beforehand I'll handle it for you. He'll be the best student in your class, I promise. Mm. Some will respond, some won't. Right? You'll know what your advocacy is. The teach, thank you. I appreciate you. Like some teachers want that. And then you can kind of filter the teachers who, who, okay, how am I going to attack this dude, that teacher? Number three, in my opinion, your student should be in some form of extracurricular. Right? If your student is in an extracurricular, number one, it cohorts them. They it's priority. Extracurriculars get prioritized with scheduling. That's a big deal. Extracurriculars usually have grade mandates. That's a big deal. Extracurriculars generally provide more adults who have a vested interest for your child to succeed. So they are checking your child's grades and doing all these different things, right? So those extracurriculars provide a bigger community, a bigger village for your child. Um, And then number four is as parents, we got to say at the end of the day, it's on me. Like it really is on the parent. The parent can have the biggest impact on students. Bad teachers is something that's out of their control and you got to fight that. And that's a hard one. That's a hard one. It's a real hard one. But outside of bad teachers, even bad admin can't really impact your kid that much if they don't get in trouble. Bad administrators, 
you know what I'm saying? They 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 become issues, but bad teachers, parents, you have to be involved. Read to your kids when they four, yeah. five, and six. Read to your children. Read to them, right? Make them read to you when they six, seven, and eight. Make them read to you. That that skill in itself, uh, you know, people kept the 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 average felon. There's a bunch of research. It's between eighth grade and third grade. In any data report you pull up on the incarcerated individuals, none of them can read at a high school level. Which mm-hmm. means if you get your child to a high school level, they it's a it's a, it's one in five chance. It's an eighty percent reduction in in the mm-hmm. likelihood that they will end up incarcerated. By the way, that doesn't that doesn't. Exist. I was told around the fourth, the third or fourth grade, if they can't read, then there's a good chance they're going to go to jail. So there was a report in 2010, and by the way, this is fact. It's not, I didn't make this up 13 years later. This is fact. Prior to 2010, private prisons funded some by the government mm-hmm. determined how many cells they're going to build based upon the number of kids who couldn't read in third grade. That is a fact. There it is. It is, yes, sir. It is, not, it is not my opinion. It's called the school to prison pipeline. It has had reforms since then. So there are programmings and lobbyists and things in place to block it. But it is, in fact, our history, our truth, and it is still a deciding factor. Uh, the it, it, Again, like, for instance, I have a buddy, she's an attorney. She, you know, she, I said, hey, pull the data for me. Uh, her name's Marquita. I won't say her last name. She was like, oh, in the state of Texas, you know what it is? It's fifth grade level. The average felon in Texas reads at a fifth grade level. So it, there's some variation there, you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, uh, if your kid can't read, they're more likely to have issues in school, and then obviously life after school potentially end up incarcerated. Correct. It's like a chick. It's like a chicken farm. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like some of them become food for your plate, the rest of them become food for the rest of the chickens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, this has been a great conversation, man. I've enjoyed this right here. Yeah, it's, it's dope. It's super dope. I appreciate you coming through, Damien. Yeah, thank and you. I appreciate yeah. y'all for having me. You know, I say in order to invoke change, you ain't gonna please everybody. You know what I'm saying? And so it's kind of like, you know, stand on your own too. You know what I'm saying? Make right. sure you come with facts and, and, and realities. But I just be okay with some people having an issue and, and keep pushing off. So you guys, what you guys are doing is dope. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to make sure I could make it on tonight. Uh and, and anything uh-huh. I can do. Yeah, How I, can I, you t- be I tell them all the time. I tell them all the time, facts over feelings, logic over emotions. You understand what I'm man. saying? Man. Uh, man. Check out my IG. Go check my IG last give me two hours and read all the damn emotions. You'd be surprised. Before you get before you give out your info, you still need to speak on. Oh man, I hear the echo is so bad. I don't know why it's doing that. I want you to speak on what you're doing now to change the way things are working with you being uh involved in the financial aspect. Respect. Yeah. So I'm an entrepreneur now. Uh, in fact, well, see, now I feel like I'm pitching folk. No. I'm not pitching nobody. I'm just giving, <laughs> Let's get giving it. it to y'all. Let's get but, it. But uh, the last five years, I've been in the insurance and finance space, um, helped hundreds of people across the country uh, get into the, in their respective space in the finance world and, and find success in, in different avenues of, of business. Um, I do have a podcast, actually. It's called The Barry and Mac Show. It's about OU football, so it's a different side, you know what I'm saying? But uh, we've had a lot of success in that space. Um, and, and really just um, advocacy. I, I probably do four community workshops a week, meet with meet with the parents of districts, meet with 
you know, just community outreach and boys and girls clubs and so on and so forth and teach basic money principles. And I teach high, teach high school articulation, just, you know, eight parents who are kids in eighth grade, what are some things they can do to prepare their kids so that they can graduate with the least amount of restrictions as possible? I don't, I don't, I don't charge for it. I don't get paid to do it. I do it because I know it's a need in a lot of urban communities. Um, and it's a, it's a passion project for me. I, 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 you know what I'm saying? I want to stay connected to education. Um, and, and this is a way I can do it in a space where it's not going to, you know what I'm saying? Upset the turnip cart, uh, internally. So, um, appreciate, appreciate, you know what I'm saying? The opportunity to be on here. Um, I, yeah, I, definitely. I, I'm good with it. Whoever want to push back, just come with facts. Not to <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. I appreciate this, Damien. Any, anybody else got any questions or want to ask, uh, add on? Uh, I just want to say thank you for sharing your time and um, this information. And honestly, this is a subject that really needs to get exposed as much as possible because, wow, just the, the way you described all three of us, a lot of our experiences is based on that. And it and it across the board, we all can probably have like similarities to our experiences based on that. It's just showing how true it is. So that's dope. Yeah. And it's crazy to, to know that not much has changed since I came out of high school outside of maybe just the method in which, you know, they, they, they execute. I think they've become more efficient at executing it, you know, and, and establishing that, that funnel. That's because that's what I'm looking at it as it's like a funnel. You see that? Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I, I thought you were saying something and it didn't pick I know, up. I was right. just saying I agree. I was supposed to okay. say All right. Well, we're going to end it there, ladies and gentlemen. This has been another podcast. Uh, I'm getting a lot of feedback in the mic and it's pissing me off. But remember the mission statement when you're striving for greatness. God never puts you in the driver's seat if it's taken. Thank you, Damien, for being a guest on the podcast. I appreciate it very much. Love. 100%. Peace. Peace. Peace.